This is Tom Bernard. Can't get enough of sports talk with Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad. Tune in to the new Tom Bernard Show podcast Monday through Friday as Phil and Judd join me to discuss the latest sports headlines and whatever else comes to mind. Just download the Tom Bernard Show app wherever you get your podcasts or visit TomBernardShow.com. It's another way to get more from me and Judd talking sports and having fun with Tom and it's all at your fingertips. Download the Tom Bernard Show app now and join the conversation. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. America's fastest growing TV brand, TCL, brings you Mackie and Judd. Now launching. Mackie and Judd. We get things rolling with the opening bell. Want to ring the bell? Yeah, it's a problem. <laughs> we haven't had a home game on a short week since I've been here in five years. You know, but it is what it is. We go out and play the schedule however they do it. I know the statistics about going to the West Coast and on a short week and all that. So you know, we did a, a study on preparing for a game on a short week, all those things, and that's why we're going out tonight after practice. All right, there are times, Manny Hill, where Mike Zimmer says things and you call BS immediately because he's because <laughs> he's a football coach and he's paid uh, he's paid to try and spin things at times. And you say, you know what, Mike, you're just lying here. I am with him completely on this one, though. So the Vikings are going to play tomorrow night in Los Angeles after playing at home on Sunday. We're talking about a league in which they claim, and we've been down this road before, I know that, but we're talking about a league in which they claim, Manny, that concussions are a big concern, right? We're all worried about concussions, largely because you're getting sued for them, but you know what they say, you know, head trauma, and we don't want helmet-to-helmet hits, and we want guys to be healthy. And this year, of course, is the year of the quarterback, the China doll quarterback, where, God (laughs) forbid, you put 52.3% of your full weight or your weight on a quarterback, you're going to get a flag. So everything that the league is trying to do basically is this whole, well, we're trying to protect players and we're trying to protect QBs, which they are. But then they're going to, with a three-day break, they're going to continue to have, and they're they're not only not backing away from this, they're doubling down because Fox is now the, is now the new network rights holder for Thursday Night Football. We're going to have a team going from Minneapolis to play the Rams, who, Zim's right, was at home against the Chargers, so advantage them. But nonetheless, the whole thing remains the height of hypocrisy. We're trying to protect our players, and and we've heard players before, National Football League football players, say that a Sunday game, a lot of times you wake up on Monday, it's the same type of results as a car crash. It's like going through a car crash. Mm-hmm. And with a three-day break, the Minnesota Vikings are going to take that field on Thursday night, and and Fox is going to have their new slogan because this league, which is so concerned about players, isn't concerned enough about players that they're not going to take the millions of dollars they, they can get from this TV package. It's it's just amazing to me how the league this this is this is the league though. Like they they cannot all they know how to do is to contradict themselves. And be hypocritical. 
the, these games on thir- like there look if you want to have I have long said this if you want to have Thursday a Thursday night game for Thanksgiving okay sees you know week one kickoff week okay but to go through an entire 17 week schedule and have a Thursday night game every Thursday is ridiculous to me these games Judd these games are not good well they're not good and you know and you know what will happen is people people will look at last week's game the Browns and Jets and they'll say well look see but it's the Browns and Jets but Fox slogan is is going to be and, and Fox didn't show the first couple weeks they're going to pick up the package tomorrow but Fox's slogan is what now it's a game it's some now cute, these games are better or yeah, something like that. Now these games are good or something like that. Basically, it's the league allowing Fox to say, you know, the the stuff that we sold CBS and NBC the past couple of years, bad stuff, bad product. But now we're selling a good product. And to me, though, it's not. But how is it? Be- how is it a right. good product? How is it better? I'm with you, but let's let's even for one second suspend the discussion of the quality of the games which are no doubt impacted by the fact that they come on three days rest. But when you ask, when you have a sport that the ideal for it is 16 games once a week, when you make a team play on Thursday nights, teams play on Thursday nights, you are contradicting, to your point, everything that you've said about player safety. Mm -hmm. You don't care. The NFL NFL should come out there. And I just want transparency here. It's a big Judd thing, and we'll never get it. But I just want transparency. The NFL. If Thurs- it's about money, Thursday then night- just say it's about money. And Thursday night, you know what your Thursday night slogan should be? Player safety, we don't care. <laughs> you just don't care. You don't You don't give a damn. You don't give a damn. <laughs> players are only, players to teams are only as useful as, as they are as products of how well they can perform on the field. And when they can't, they're shoved aside. And the league has always been this way in terms yes. of just players being, they view players as being expendable. They don't, they don't value anybody outside of the quarterbacks mm-hmm. because the quarterbacks are the rock stars of the league. Mm-hmm. Brady, Rodgers, Breeze, Roethlisberger, even the younger guys, you know, you've got Watson and, you know, Russell Wilson, obviously, but those are the guys, those are the only guys that the league cares about. And they only care about it because the TV partners, I think, came back to them and said, one of the things that you can control in our declining ratings right now is keeping Aaron Rodgers and Brady healthy. Yeah. That's well, why they care about it. They care about it because the most important thing to them, it's not their mom, it's not their dad, it's not their wife, it's not their kids. The most important thing to the National Football League, the people that work in New York, is one thing, television. It's television money because they make billions of dollars. They make billions of dollars because they provide a product that people want. And what they saw last year was people looked at Brett Hundley starting for the Packers, people mm-hmm. like me, and said, oh, I'm not going to watch this garbage. Well, you know what will happen. You know what, what would put a stop to these Thursday games? Is if quarterbacks start getting hurt. If, 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 you, if you go a couple two, three, four weeks in a row or just a handful of weeks over the course of a 17-week regular season and a bunch of quarterbacks, Brady, Rod, Rodgers, Breeze, the big-name quarterbacks start getting hurt mm-hmm. on these on these games, they'll take them away or they'll cut back on them. I don't, you know what, that's the, that's the only That's the only time, Judd, when the league ever makes 
a rash decision on but, anything is when quarterbacks get hurt. But they would only do that if Fox said, we're not paying you anymore. Right. If Fox said, because, it, they, and you know, th- this is why, this is why they're going down a path for more games on different nights. Because the greed knows no end. And the only time the greed possibly comes to an end is when the greed is not satisfied. So if if everybody said if quarterbacks got hurt and everybody and every TV partner said we're out we're done we're not we're not showing this we're not going to show this garbage then they would say and then they would come back with players say you know what player safety is important the only thing they're driven by is are they being sued by a large enough faction of people that it could actually cost them and are the TV partners complaining yeah you know this is why this is why I think they went to the TV networks and begged them. They said, quit showing the anthems. Quit showing it. We don't want to drive that. But this is just the absolute most transparent group of people. And I just find it laughable every year when the Vikings play a Thursday game that we go through all these other gymnastics to talk about player safety and the importance of keeping guys upright and the importance of guys' health. But then on the other side, it's like, oh, uh, Thursday games. Yeah, this is great. Exactly right. All right, sir, find the ding, ding. soap opera theme song. It's time. Oh, is it time? Oh, it's time for that. I got to I gotta find it. See, I got okay. to dig it up here. Give me a minute here. Yeah, we got to get to this because it's never going to end. It's going to carry on forever and ever and ever. And this is the fault of many people. Here we go. All right. Is Jimmy leaving? Can Tibbs let him go? <laughs> These are the days of our wolves. <laughs> All right. So here's the latest. If you have not seen the internet reports today, the latest is you can forget the Clippers, Knicks, and Nets. That's that's last week's news. Those were the preferred destinations of Jimmy Butler last week. The new preferred destination that has emerged, the Miami Heat. <laughs> Jimmy wants to go, and the name I saw, uh, two things I saw Manny linked to Jimmy Butler possibly going to the Heat, that the Wolves want back 25-year-old Josh Richardson, mm-hmm. who is a nice player, who the Heat sound like they're not excited to give up. And then there was a Woj tweet also saying that there might be a three-way trade that could involve... Uh, Goran Dragic coming here and Jeff Teague being traded. I believe he would go to Phoenix. Who was looking for a point guard. Who was yes. looking for a point guard. And, and then, Phoenix has also inquired about Tyus Jones. Okay. So, so uh, okay. So you, you are our basketball expert. So your thoughts on the latest of as the Wolves turn? Um, well, I, I think that if I, I'm fine with getting Goran Dragic back in return. I mean, he's he's a little older than Jeff Teague. But I think he's better than Jeff Teague. He's a little bit of a better shooter. I mean, they're both kind of a sieve defensively. So, I mean, you're not really losing a whole lot there. Um, so I'd be fine with getting Goran Dragic. I think Josh Richardson is really is a really good, nice, solid player. He can defend. He can shoot. Um, he's a former Tennessee Vol, so I'm a little bit biased there. Mm-hmm. Um, but... I mean, this, I think this really just kind of shows that the Wolves are just not going to get what they should get for Jimmy Butler in terms of just equal value because of not. they have no leverage here. Of course they're not. And if Miami is reluctant to give up Josh Richardson, well, I mean, 
I don't know if there's really much of anything else from right, Miami this, that, that I really want. Wolves Justice per, Winslow kind of intrigues Wolves me. Wolves percentage but. chance, Manny Hill of being a playoff team if they make this trade, and it lands um, Dragic as the point guard. They send Teague to Phoenix, and Josh Richardson also comes here. Wolves percentage chance of being a playoff team under that scenario with Butler now with the Heat. I think, well, I think if you go into this season, I think it's about... If you go into this season as it is with Jimmy Butler, I would say I'd give him about a 65%, 70% chance of making the playoffs. Mm -hmm. If you make this trade, I think you probably cut those chances in half. But I'm okay with that because I think long-term it would be better for this team going forward. Jimmy Butler's not going to stick around. The problem is the Tibbs won't be okay with that, which we've learned time and time again, which is why he is telling uh, Scott Layden, who's supposed to be the point man on these trades, to drag his feet. All right, the other Butler item that actually came out, I think the uh, Strib wrote about this yesterday. Do you, and I tweeted this last night, do you also find it to be a questionable business decision? That Jimmy Butler, who is, I guess, very much in town, took his physical on Monday, and then Tibbs, after begging him to play in the preseason, and Jimmy saying, absolutely not, Tibbs got up to the podium and said, Jimmy Butler is going to be rehabbing. There's still about a week away from him being able to be on the court, basically trying to buy himself time. And Jimmy Butler walked down to the Lifetime Fitness in the Minneapolis Athletic Club and played afternoon pickup basketball. And I guess on Tuesday went out to Plymouth and did the same thing. In all seriousness, if I'm Butler's agent, I'm like, Jimmy, you want to be traded, right? All I need is one hero ball yutz to undercut. What are you doing? Yes. Yes. What the hell are you doing? Which, Which gets back to the point I tweeted a couple days ago, which is there is no good guy here. No. Tibbs is not a good guy. Taylor's and, and bungled it, I and Jimmy Butler's imagine, being an idiot. I can't imagine that Tom Thibodeau would be okay with this. Well, I don't care if Tibbs is if I'm the Butler but, camp. But what I'm saying get him is... off the bleeping court. Oh, Send for him home sure. go but, home. For sure. But what I'm saying is, if you're Tom Thibodeau, even if, even if Jimmy Butler hadn't requested a trade and was doing this, like, it's, it's beyond idiotic. You're going to get yourself hurt. Doing non-team activities. What are you doing? What are you doing? And the fact that he's doing this, like, I, I, I let me retract that question. Jimmy Butler knows exactly what he's doing. He knows exactly. Does what, he? He well, is he, Jimmy Butler as smart as Jimmy Butler thinks he is? I don't know. But this, this is this is ridiculous, though. Like, you cannot, you 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 cannot be like you can't be. Excused from training camp and excused from being at media days, fine, whatever, we know why, but then be at the gym at some, wherever he was, I don't know, I don't know if it was at a... It was was Lifetime at the Minneapolis Athletic Club on Monday, and then I guess it was at the Lifetime out in Plymouth on Tuesday, he's driving around looking for pickup games. That's... But if you're his, if you're, if you're his agent, Bernie Lee, and this is the only guy he's got. It ain't my money, man, but damn. This is, honestly. I, I just, yeah, if if I'm Bernie Lee, I'm pulling him aside like, Jimmy, what the hell are you doing? Manny, I'm going to tell you right now. You're going you're gonna, to you're gonna blow your knee out playing a pickup game at Lifetime Fitness, and now they're not going to be able to trade you. Well, and, it just, and if he turns his ankle, they, they can't trade, and Tibbs yeah. would be thrilled. Now, Now, this is my problem here. We have seen in this town, sports-wise, a ton of gong shows through the years. Absolute gong shows. 
this is shaping up to possibly be the biggest. Mm-hmm. Because everyone in this situation is culpable, nobody looks good, and everyone's being an idiot. <laughs> you know, Byron Buxton gets sent home. I think that's stupid. I'm not blaming Buxton, though. So everyone's not being a moron there. Yeah. It's just everything is just... The seems, owner. The nothing, nothing seems to be well thought out right now. There's not really any forward thinking and everybody just seems to be kind of doing their own thing. Tibbs kind of has his own idea on what he wants to do. And maybe, you know, I guess Scott Layton is kind of on board with that. But Glenn Taylor has a different thing that he wants to do. Jimmy Butler doesn't want to be here anymore. But first it's like, all, I want to go to the, listen. first I want to go to the Clippers and no, then but the Nets. All, but now it's like, oh, Miami, send me to Miami. They're all but I'm going to play these pickup idiots. games even though, yeah. Everyone's being an idiot. Stop with it. Somebody have yeah. some bleeping self Nobody's on the same page and everybody's kind of thinking their own their own, you know, what they everybody has their own yeah. idea of what, what they want to do and they're all all kind of doing their own thing and nobody's together on the same page on anything. It's 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 bad. Uh TCL Broadcast Studios uh packed show. Mackie and Judd Phil as usual is going to join at uh, four o'clock. We have um, Dan Hayes at 4.30 talking twins. Collar from Los Angeles at 5 in the football hour. Rich Gannon as well. But uh, coming up next, we have plenty more Wolves. And also an update on the Everson Griffin situation. Doogie steps into studio to join us for a scoop on Mackie and Judd. Don't go anywhere. More Mackie and Judd coming up next. Oakley dokely. On 1500 ESPN. Mackie and Judd are back. Please, continue. On 1500 ESPN. Quick check on your traffic here in the TCL Broadcast Studios. Uh, nothing really major going on right now. Everything moving rather smoothly right now, except we do have a stalled vehicle, 35W southbound, uh, between 35th and 36th in Minneapolis. Uh, a lane is blocked there, but uh, otherwise everything's moving around rather smoothly. Yeah. Hey, yeah, I, I want a scoop, baby. Scoop. That's right. It's that time. Darren Doogie Wolfson, Channel 5 Eyewitness News and Scoop Master, who, uh, of course, does the Scoop Podcast, 1500ESPN.com, Podcast One, all those good places where you can find it. Joining us now, George Carl, is that correct, on the uh, Scoop that you taped yesterday? That is indeed correct. Good afternoon. Happy hump day. Hi, Manny. Hello, Judd. Yes, George Carl, one of the all-time winningest coaches in NBA history. He went through a very public ordeal... When was that? Eight years ago. I guess it would have been 2010. Eight years ago when Carmelo Anthony, right before training camp, now more like late August, early September, so a couple weeks before training camp, but Anthony went public with his desire to get the bleep out of Denver. The Nuggets eventually moved Melo, but it was many months later, and they ended up making one heck of a trade Mm -hmm. with the Knicks. So just hearing George go down memory lane, Talking about the pain in the butt that Mello was. I mean, George doesn't hold back. So, yeah, that is on Scoop Podcast <laughs> does, episode does not 175. <laughs> All right, so explain to me why Jimmy Butler is playing in noon pickup basketball games. You know what? And I love your outrage. You know I do. I love when you're fired up. All these people are idiots right now. On this one, you can back down, though. You really can. He needs to stay in shape. He did not play pickup basketball, by the way, in Plymouth. Yesterday, he just got up some shots. 
He got in a workout. On Monday, was he playing? On Monday with a bunch of 50-year-olds? Yeah, all I need is one Do you think he was going all out? No, I'm not worried about him going all out. All I need is one old fart like me who was a star (laughs) at Penelope St. Margaret's to chop him down, and now i got an injured player in my hands. I would not worry. I'm telling you. I mean, go to his Instagram. He's constantly posting videos of these sand workouts, these beach workouts, running up and down these big hills in Southern California. He could easily, right, take a wrong step, blow out his knee. He could twist his ankle. I just think the timing is bad He has right now. to remain active. Yeah, go I'm run just on telling the treadmill. You, I wouldn't, go run I wouldn't the make a big deal of him playing with a bunch of 50-year-olds on Monday than getting in a workout Doogie, in Plymouth my only, yesterday. My only concern is because of the history of this franchise, things like this always seem to happen. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't have a real good comeback to that, Manny. <laughs> yes. Because if, it's gonna, if something like this is going to happen where Jimmy Butler rolls his ankle playing in a pickup basketball game, the week where all this trade speculation is surrounding him, if it's ever going to happen to a franchise, it would be yeah. this one. 30 years of just misery, what can right? You, what can you tell us? So I, I saw the reports today that now it's gone from the Clippers, Knicks, and Nets in that order of preferred trade destinations to the Heat. What is the uh, Butler camp or the Wolves at least in indicating as far as when we might have a deal and do we have any idea with whom? Well, I'll say this much. I mean, we had the indication last week that he was open-minded to more than those three teams. Mm -hmm. So Miami doesn't come as an outright shock. Certainly Miami is pushing hardest. Our mutual friend, Brian Windhorst of ESPN, Windy, just reported on TV, or maybe it was radio somewhere. It wasn't on Twitter, but that Eric Spolstra, the Miami coach, is pushing hardest. And certainly Spolstra has a loud voice in that organization, one of the game's better coaches, he wants Butler badly. Okay. The indication from non-Wolves, non-Heat league executives is Miami is pushing the hardest. When a deal happens, I'll continue to say that I believe it happens sooner rather than later. But is that 24 hours from now, 48 hours, a week? Put it this way. I don't foresee a scenario where Jimmy ever wears a Wolves uniform again. They play their first preseason game on Saturday. He's not playing on Saturday. They have a game a few days later. He's not playing in that game. I just don't see a scenario where he practices with the Wolves or plays in a game with the Wolves ever again. So what what would a potential deal with Miami look like? Because Josh Richardson's name has been thrown out there and by from what I've seen and read that they would be very reluctant to to part ways with him. I can understand why because he's young and he's Fairly good. Um, Goring Dragic's name has been thrown out there. Justice Winslow, Kelly Olenek. I mean, just about anybody not named Wade is seemingly been rumored to be involved in any deal. So what what would an ideal Miami deal with the Wolves look like? Well, can you, Manny, convince them to take back Gorgie Jang's contract, $48 million <laughs> remaining? Because if you could somehow... then maybe that's the path for Miami to keep Josh Richardson. Now, I had a couple non-Wolves, non-Heat league front office people this morning. I was texting back and forth with them, say, hey, if you're the Wolves, you'll have enough offers that you need to get Josh Richardson back from the Heat. Yeah, He's entering year one of a four-year, $42 million deal. 
He is a really good defender. He can mm-hmm. guard three positions, maybe even four. He can shoot a little bit. He can shoot. He shot 38% from three last year. Yep. He keeps getting better and better. He's not a household name, former second-round pick. Self-made. But he is a really good player. In fact, yep. you can argue, because of Whiteside's massive contract in the year that Whiteside had last year, that Josh Richardson is Miami's number one asset. You can easily make that case. Now, could Justice Winslow plus Miami's 2019 first-round pick plus filler, could that be enough? Now, Winslow's do some money here. I mean, he'll be a restricted mm-hmm. free agent next summer, so how much do you think he is worth? He's on the same timeline as Kat and, and Tyus. He is. Now, and Goran Dragic, really good player, but he has a player option. Mm. So does he want to be here <laughs> after one year? So I don't know if you want Dragic. You definitely want Richardson. The big man, they went a couple picks ahead of Justin Patton. How do you say his last name, Manny? Bam? Uh, Adebayo? I, I think, think it is Adebayo. Adebayo. I think that's the pronunciation. So, the kid yeah. from Kentucky. The Wolves had a healthy opinion of him in the pre-draft process. In fact, I'm positive. If he had gotten to pick 16, he went pick, was it 13 or 14? You know, uh, Manny? I think it was, I think it was 14. 14, yeah. So if he had fallen yeah. just two more picks, the Wolves preferred him over Justin Patton. So that would be a name... To keep an eye on. So if you can't get Richardson, find a way to get out of bio. But I'm positive they're still talking to other teams. Somebody directly involved with the Wolves told me on Monday that they still needed a good amount of time to sift through offers and still go to teams and say, hey, make your final offer. And I asked this individual, I said, hey, when it's all said and done, do you anticipate, I just threw out an arbitrary number, do you anticipate at least eight offers. And this individual said yes. Hmm. Now, eight offers also could be Miami proposing four different scenarios. But my understanding is there's been at least 10 teams, if not 15 or 20, that have at least inquired. Now, teams like Detroit inquired. I'm told Detroit is out. Dallas inquired. I'm told right now Dallas is out. So a lot of these teams have dropped out. But the interest it, is there, so I think the Wolves can make a pretty good deal here. I don't think I don't even think Detroit really has anything. That's the problem with some teams, I'm yeah. sure. I'll, I mean, Stanley Johnson. I guess depending on what you think of Stanley, yeah. Vikings. Scoops. I want no. I would want no parts of Red. And Jackson, I like Kyrie no. Thomas, the kid from Creighton, who somehow yeah. fell to the second round. Yeah. Such a deep draft. Vikings scoopage. Sure. Where would you like to begin? Everson Griffin. Well, on Everson, I mean, first off, I mean, just forget football, right? He's a father. He's a husband. Let's just hope he can get the help that he needs to once again live a normal life. Now, on the Minatrista police report, which certainly is interesting to say the least, there are some contradictions in there, some red flags. And keep in mind, on Saturday in Minatrista, there was only one police officer on duty. Correct. In the report, it and says he was relieved new, at 1,700 hours. And that's not a news report. That's the officer's best ability to put together what was in his notebook. Correct. So when exactly did he write those notes? Was it immediately after sure. he was relieved? Or did he wait until the next day? So, I mean, I have a lot of questions about the Minatrista police report. Within that report, it was said that the Vikings sent a letter to both Everson and his agent suggesting or saying, hey, you're not welcomed back at TCO Performance Center 
until you undergo a mental health evaluation. Well, checking, the letter was never sent. The Vikings never sent Everson a letter. They never sent his agent, Brian Murphy, a letter. Also, Trey Waynes came out with the statement yesterday saying, no, Everson was not trying to break into my house. Mm-hmm. And there were suggestions in that Minatrista police report that Everson was trying to break into Trey Waynes' house. So I just wonder with those two red flags, are there some other red flags in that well, police and report? Keep in mind, Wayne's fiance called Everson's wife about that. She didn't call the cops. So that that was Griffin's wife who told the cops that he was at Wayne's house. So that's, but the important thing about a police report is that's the cop's best ability to write down from his notes. It's not like us doing a, a news story. Riley Reef, could he play on Thursday because he hasn't practiced yet this week? Yeah, he could. Yeah. A source with the Vikings told me 65-35. So no guarantee, but I think a lot of people listening are like, he didn't practice on Tuesday. He was horrible on Sunday. He must have been playing hurt on Sunday that he's not going to play on Thursday. I would say there's actually a decent chance that Riley Reef is the Vikings left tackle tomorrow night. Some other injury updates. Dalvin Cook, I was told, 75-25 with the hamstring. Also 75-25 on David Morgan with the knee. Also on Wayne's. He is okay. He was limited in practice yesterday. Trey Wayne should be on the field tomorrow night. Final scoops, go for football. Sure. And the bad news about uh, Antoine Winfield Jr., who was one of the few guys on that team that I think was worth the price of admission to TCF Bank Stadium. I'm with you. Phenomenal player. Underwent surgery on Monday. Here's a shock. Successful surgery on (laughs) Monday. So the Royce thing. Here's where I can advance the story. I don't believe this has been reported anywhere. It was ligament damage. So, foot injury, oh, okay. ligament damage for Antoine Winfield Jr. out for the season. Then Keandre Thomas, starting cornerback, did not travel last weekend for the blowout loss at Maryland, I'm told, for academic reasons. On Antoine Winfield Jr., is he going to get another like added year of eligibility because it happened early in the season, or is he out on that? Well, they will try. Whether they're able to get that, Remains to be seen, Manny. Also, I i mean, personally now, heck, we have to see how he comes back from yet another injury. Right. But I think he's got pro potential. Sure. Does he so really want to play six anyway. years? Right. He's going to be like 30 right. years old. He's going to be a senior at 30, <laughs> like that Maryland Well, I mean, that's the thing week. with Rodney Smith. Now, indications are Rodney wants to be back next year, but Rodney's going to be 24 years old then yeah. when yeah. he enters the 2020 draft. That's why I wonder if Rodney, after a few months here, starts to reevaluate that and say, I think I might go pro. Boy, yeah, I wonder if it but makes sense to wanna, enter the 2019 draft. But is he going to get drafted if he enters the pros after this well, season? Well, I mean, could you look hurt? at the supplemental draft yeah, I guess you could. later in yeah. the summer? I mean, I, I think you have to weigh all those options. You're right, though. I mean, with an ACL, yeah. he wouldn't be able to go through pro day. I mean, he wouldn't be able to do anything. Combine, so right? The chances, yeah, I mean, he wouldn't no be combine, able to go to the combine February. in February. I mean, you need multiple months yeah. to come back from... From ACL surgery. So, yeah, I mean, I get it, I guess, a little bit from Rodney's standpoint if he wants to play that sixth year. But I'm yep. just saying, does he really want to be 24 years old at that position, the running back position, entering the 2020 draft? Questions he needs to figure out. Thank you, sir. All right. See you, boys. Check out the scoop with uh, Darren Doogie Wolfson at uh, 1500ESPN.com. Also, Podcast One and Doogie joins us on Mackie and Judd once a week with the scoops. We're in the TCL broadcast studios. Mike Golick Jr. for his weekly visit next on Mackie and Judd. Don't go anywhere. More Mackie and Judd coming up next. Gentlemen, to the medicine cabinet. On 1500 ESPN. Mackie and Judd now continue. Well, here we are again. 
1500 ESPN. TCL Broadcast Studios, Mackie and Judd Phil will join the show at uh, 4 o'clock right now. It is Zolgad and Manny Hill. And joining us now for his weekly visit, our friend from ESPN, Mike Golick Jr. You can hear him on First and Last. And also uh, on the first part of the morning show, Golick and Wingo. How are you, sir? What's going on? I am doing great, guys. Believe it or not, I'm actually talking to you right now from the middle of Disney World. I'm out here taking in the parks. We're doing our shows for the next couple of days down here in Orlando at the Wild World of Sports and Disney. So figured I'd get out here and see the site. What's your favorite ride? So I actually just did for the first time the Pirates of the Caribbean ride. I'd never been on it in all the time. I grew up, I lived down here when I was younger. We used to wear out Disney parks when obviously dad, a Disney employee, first started. But I'd never done Pirates of the Caribbean. It really is, the details meticulous. Really enjoyed it. Is it scary? Like, is it is it terrifying or is it more more of an enjoyable kind of fun type of thing it's more enjoyable and i think now because i lived through you know five however many movies it was going back and seeing the ride that was sort of the inspiration for it all was kind of cool it might be scary if you were a little kid and to be honest there were a couple of moments where you know maybe a little piece slipped out but other than that <laughs> <laughs> enjoy rides now because i can tell you it gets worse well, you know what the thing is, is I enjoyed them a lot more because I'm 50 pounds lighter now. Like, every time I had to lock in one of those seat harnesses, I think every weight I had ever lifted and every treadmill I've gotten on since my playing career finished, because having to do that with a full-on beer gut in the front was a lot more difficult. You know, that's the, that's the amazing thing, too, about guys who play on the line as well, Golik. I used to cover the Vikings, and in Mankato, I would walk into the Chipotle between practices, and Burke and Hutchinson would be eating, I kid you not, at least two Chipotles apiece. How much of a pain in the butt does it become to, to be a fat guy who's really not a fat guy? Oh, it's, it's brutal. I mean, I was eating 5,500, 6,000 calories a day by the time I was towards the end trying to stay above 300 pounds. And, you know, I oh. talked to guys in our building like Jeff Saturday and, and some of the former offensive linemen, and a lot of them went through those same things. So on the back end, you get the benefit because – once you just cut those calories in half and eat like a normal person, the weight falls off. How do you do that? Like, how do you just, when you're done playing, how do you just say, okay, I'm going to shed 100 pounds off of my body? I tell you what, at the beginning, it really is easy because you're eating until you're sick most of the time to try and keep it on. It's every two, two and a half hours when the clock tells you to eat. So it's almost refreshing to sit there and go, you know what? I'm not hungry right now, so I'm not going to eat for a little while. I'm going to take my sweet time on this. And then after a while, you know, you have to relearn what a treadmill is because you've avoided <laughs> that like the plague. You maybe hit a – but you know what? I can confidently look at a flight of stairs now and not break out sweating, and that is not something I could say for offensive line, Mike, so I'm very proud of that beat. Excellent. Uh, question for you, National Football League. Do you right now recognize this sport, especially when it comes to – to the QBs being hit. As you watch games, do you do you say to yourself that this is the sport that you recognize and know, or do you just shake your head and say, what the hell's going on here? You know, I, I think it's my like general tendency to try and balance the universe, because I sit next to my dad every day, and he is just despondent right now at the state of football, at the state of specifically what's happened to defensive linemen and what they're forced to deal with. I, I look at it this way. So many of the parts I enjoy about football are still intact, and ultimately, I think this is going to be intact, too. What we've seen right now is the regular season version of what we dealt with with the lowering the helmet policy during the preseason. Yeah. And it took a little while for the league to adjust, 
and it took a little while for the league to admit that, you know what, we had overdone it a bit. We needed to pull back the reins some. And I think now as you hear the competition committee getting ready to do their regularly scheduled get all, and you've got some members that are uncomfortable with the amount of attention this rule is receiving, and I think the way it's been implemented so far. So I'll be shocked if when we get to the quarter pull of the season that we don't see a bit of an adjustment and a bit of a regression back to the mean. Golik, what's your what's your feeling on Thursday night games? Because the Vikings obviously have one tomorrow night against the Rams, and you know we heard from Mike Zimmer yesterday that he's not particularly thrilled about you know playing a home game and then having to travel to the West Coast on a short week to play a you know a tough team like the Rams. So what's your feeling on Thursday games, and and should they should the league continue this, or is this uh, something that really shouldn't be a, shouldn't be a part of the game? Well, you know what? It shouldn't or couldn't is one of those things. They're going to because, and yeah. the players are going to too because there's just so much money tied up in it at this point. And the way things are trending with TV ratings actually kind of up this year, I don't see any reason for them to pull the plug on that. But it's brutal. I mean, I talked to, you know, I talked to plenty of guys, talked to Kyle, you know, as he's getting ready to start his 100th game in the NFL and doing it on a short week. You know there are unique challenges that come along with that. And, I mean, for the Vikings right now, you got Riley Reef, who you're unsure about with that foot. You just got Pat Elfline back. But that offensive line has been a, a, a kind of difficult point. That's sort of the Achilles heel of a team that we looked at and talked about as Super Bowl ready. Otherwise, we saw some of those warts, that fatal flaw show up against Buffalo in a way we weren't ready for. So you combine that with, all right, a short week in the position you've been struggling with already with injury and production, and, and it's really a tough recipe for a team to try and maintain and handle during that time. Your thoughts on, on the state of, of uh, pro sports in this town now? You, you just talked about the Bills came in here and completely cleaned the Vikings' clock. Jimmy Butler wants out. I, I would take it that the national pundits aren't being too kind to us, nor should they be when it comes to Minnesota sports. Well, I mean, yeah, the Timberwolves are just a whole different bag of issues there. I mean, you've got one thing being said by players and coaches. Ownership comes out and says, get a deal done. It's just one of those things that's a reminder of why certain franchises are consistently successful. It's when you've gotten, it seems so simple, but we see it in Fortune 500 companies. We see it in sports teams all the time. If you don't have everyone from the top level on down rowing in the same direction, the way the Patriots seem to do every year, the way a team like Alabama does in college, on and on down the list, you've got these teams that understand everyone's got a job. And when you've got ownership stepping in the way they are in Minnesota, trying to force this trade and completely undercutting the power and the deal-making ability everyone else has, you just see why, all right, Minnesota, they'll have a couple of good players every now and then. But ultimately, there hasn't been much in the way of meaningful winning in a long time. On the Patriots, they they're one and two now. They they lost to Detroit, and I mean, I know that historically they've always gotten off the slow starts, and we say, oh yeah, the Patriots will be fine. They're going to be fine, and they always they always are fine eventually as the season goes along. But I mean, at some point, they're not going to be fine, right? Is this the year, or we is it still more of a let's wait and see and. Let's. We'll, we'll believe that they're done when we actually see that they're done. Uh, you know what? I'll believe when they're done when Tom Brady's no longer stepping on the field, and that's just the God's honest truth. And at this point, you understand what's coming in the immediacy here. Like, you're going to get so much of their ills right now are on third down. You get Julian Edelman back, who's basically a human third down. You have the potential, if this hamstring holds up and he stays out of trouble, to get Josh Gordon, which is a sort of skeleton key weapon the Patriots haven't had since Randy Moss is in town. And so you understand that a lot of these things are going to work themselves out. The defense, as usual, seems to be the point of interest. And now you don't have Matt Patricia in the building. Like, Matt Patricia, I don't think, always got enough credit for what he was able to do as Bill and Bob Kraft 
constantly shipped out the best defensive players when they were due a payday, and he still somehow made it work. And we saw him exploit a lot of those weaknesses, slow at the linebacker and in the middle of the defensive secondary that they took advantage of for Detroit's game plan. So can they address that somehow? We know they're not going to probably bring anyone in of value on the defensive side, but can Claiborne start to get some production? Can you get some guys healthy and just put something together on that side as your offense is predictably going to improve once we get past week four? Which team off to a hot start don't you trust? Well, I mean, you look at the undefeated teams, and it's easy to look at Miami and kind of signal them out when you've got the Rams, who are the most balanced team in football, the Chiefs, who are the most high-powered offense in football, yep. and the Dolphins, who people kind of stop paying attention to in the middle of that lightning delay in that first game against the Titans, <laughs> if, we're all, if we're all being honest. This is so I, true. It's, oh, it is. It's I mean, so true. On earth, and then after that, people stop paying attention. <laughs> but I'll say this. Adam Gase has done a phenomenal job with this team. And I saw someone mention it today. What he does so well, and what I, with a, this is really a Patriot kind of uh, trait, is isolate what each guy on his offense and his team does well and make sure you use that trait. He has used Kenny Stills brilliantly, getting him open on a lot of deep routes. We know Mike Gesicki was a big pickup for him out of Penn State, the unbelievable athlete at tight end. And then Kenyon Drake and the rest of this running back group, you just go on and on down the list, and you see the way Adam Gase has traditionally done this as a coordinator for it to translate because they've been building culture here, shipping guys like J.H.I. out, getting rid of Indomitian Sue, laying the groundwork, and now you're finally starting to see the fruits of that pay off because his quarterback's finally healthy. And we know the stat, Tannehill's 10-1 and in his last 11 games, but I think this is really our first true test and true look at Adam Gase, and he's passing with flying colors. What's your thoughts on the NFC North? Because the Bears are sitting atop right now. The Vikings looked terrible against Buffalo on Sunday. The Packers didn't look very good against Washington. Detroit did beat New England, but they're sitting at 1-2 and two in last place. What's your thoughts on the NFC North? Is this wide open, or are we still going to see Minnesota and Green Bay at the top? I think that, I think talent's still going to will out in those two spots. Now, the two things that worry you, the health of Minnesota's offensive line and the health of Brett Favre for Green Bay, but everything else seems to be in play. With the Bears, I really, I mean, that's as complete a team as you'll see in the division, but Mitch Trubisky is not yet up to par in a way that lets you believe that at some point he's not going to be the thing that gets them beat in certain spots. I mean, we've seen him already hold that offense back, and the defense keeps giving them chances, six turnovers on the year already, but I just don't trust that enough yet. We know the same thing with the Lions. Eventually, that's a turnover waiting to happen, unfortunately, with the way Matt Stafford plays football. I still think you're going to see the Vikings come out on top in this division. I still think you're going to see Aaron Rodgers push him every step of the way. But the Bears are my interesting team. That's one that could jump somebody just off the strength of that defense alone. Which ride or food is next, Golick Jr.? Man, I, you know what? I, I, I got to be honest. I just went through a churro, a Mickey Mouse face ice cream cone, a Mickey Mouse face pretzel, and a Dole Whip. We put a we put wow. a for Golick and Wingo, and we asked the viewers to pick which one I was going to eat. Spoiler alert, I ate all of them. That's how this went <laughs> You know what today. you can do? With that. You're on the path to getting fat again. Fly up here, sign with, with the Vikings. I guarantee you on that offensive line right now, they can use you <laughs> and you can have a job in the National Football League. Put this media stuff behind you and get back into football. All right, that's perfect. Tell Kyle to get the basement ready. I'll be over and get the girls dinner by the time I'm over at the house. We'll be good to go. Have fun. Bye. <laughs> Thanks, Golick. Thanks, guys. Great stuff. Mike Golick Jr., who joins us uh, ordinarily on Tuesdays, 
had to push it back this week because he was traveling to Disney World. And you can also hear him on the station on First and Last, which I believe starts at 3 a.m. our time, if I'm not mm-hmm. mistaken. And then he also sticks around uh, for the first part of Golik and Wingo with his father. Let's take a break, come back, wrap up this hour. Phil joins at 4 o'clock. And then don't forget the football hour, which will include Matthew Collar from La La Land, uh, yet to come on Mackie and Judd. Mackie and Judd will return shortly. Guys, I thought we were in a hurry. On 1500 ESPN. What is it you're trying to say? Now, back to Mackie and Judd. What? On 1500 ESPN. Quick look at your traffic on uh, US 10. There's a crash uh, between Pryor Avenue and 694 in Arden Hills. So be on the lookout for that. They may uh, slow things down for you if you are driving in that area. Judd? Thank you, sir. Mackie and Judd about to be at full strength at 4 o'clock when uh, Phil steps into the studio here. All right, so last night, um, Arizona Diamondbacks game. Joe West, who if you listen to me on the station, you, you know that my that Joe West is among the handful of umpires in Major League Baseball I absolutely despise. <laughs> so Joe West last night, and this is a guy who gets ripped universally and deserves it, but he loves attention. And he loves to seek it out. He loves to find himself a situation where, where he can get attention. He decided that the cameras at the ballpark down the third baseline, I believe it, because he had third base, were extended too far over the railing. So Bob Brenly, who is the um, Fox Sports analyst on the Arizona Diamond Diamondbacks broadcast, addressed the fact that Joe West was actually upset about where the cameras might reside over the railing. And here's what Brentley had to say. The crew chief is the cowboy Joe West, who's having, I hope, some fun with the camera crews here. Joe uh, does not like the lenses to extend over the fence there, and he's giving the camera people a very hard time as they try to bring you this baseball game. It's amazing. He can see a camera leaning an inch over the railing, but he misses strikes by six feet. Amen. Bob Brenly. That is that is outstanding, Bob Brenly. That's exactly right. Joe West, who basically uh who was it who was working with Bramer on a Fox Sports North Twins telecast earlier this season? It might have been Tory or Latroy, essentially said that Joe is too heavy at this point to bend down to see things, and so he can't get in proper position to even call balls and strikes. But Joe West, I, I don't understand too, how do you not fire this guy? And Manny, well, he was supposed to be retiring, wasn't he? Well, I hope to God th- that he is. I thought this was going to be it for him well, this year. I hope you're right. I haven't seen that, but if that's true, good. And the other thing, too, is, okay, so I say that he should be fired. And I'm sure you got a bunch of p- people out there saying, well, age discrimination. Well, if you can't do your job, age discrimination in cases like this, I think, is perfectly allowable because you say he can't do his job. He can't bend down to see things. Now, there is a um, there's a I, clip on YouTube that I want to play of Ozzie Gian talking about Joe West. It's from like, be careful. I want to say it's from, no, oh, it's, 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 it's edited for radio. I promise okay. you. Um, Very careful. The, 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 qual- the audio quality isn't good because it's somebody recording the video off of their, off of their TV basically. So it's not, you know, but it's, it's pretty good. They're, they're, they asked Ozzie Gian about, it was a game where he, he and Mark Burley both got ejected from the game. Okay. And Joe West was the one who threw them out. And here's what Ozzy had to say. Sometimes it takes people pay to watch a f***ing umpire. People pay to watch 
players playing up to all parts and managers. I don't see any people say, I want to see Ozzy Gear manager. I want to see Joe West no part. He's right. He's right. But there is a there is a handful of umpires. God, I love Ozzy Gian. But there's a handful of umpires in the big leagues right now who have no business being in the big leagues in 2018. Joe West is one. Angel Hernandez. Oh. CB Buckner. Oh. These guys are awful. Now, Joe West isn't as incompetent behind the plate as Hernandez and Buckner. But Joe West's need to be for this to be 1970, right? The 70s. And it's the umpire show. And I'm going to argue with you. I'm going to find an argument so I can toss you. I think the I think in the uh, story about him being blasted by Brenly, I think Manny had said that he had thrown out something like three guys in two days because Joe he had, yeah because he had only thrown out a couple guys all year long and he couldn't take it anymore. So he decided I got to toss a couple of guys. I mean, it's just ridiculous. And another blown call by Hernandez. Oh, Hawk. Hawk's done. So Hawk's he, not so coming he, so here. he's done, right? He's, he's, Hawk he's not worked, coming here this weekend. Hawk's, the last couple of years, Hawk has worked the majority, I believe, of road games. He didn't do home games, but he went and worked a home game. I think it was last Sunday, and now he's done. So we're not getting Hawk here. This is probably my favorite Hawk, one from Hawk Harrelson of all time. And ball hit high and deep. Way back, and he's not quite out of here. God damn it! Do you realize that for, I'm going to miss him? No, man. but do you realize <laughs> that for one year in the '80s, he was the White Sox GM? Oh yeah, oh yeah, I remember that. He fired Tony Larusa. I wasn't around, but I, I remembered. I remember that story. Yeah. He fired Larusa and traded Bobby Bonilla. One year. Traded him to Pittsburgh. Yeah, he did more damage. But can you imagine? And and I I know that's 30 plus years ago, so I know things were different then. But can you imagine putting that Yahoo in charge of your franchise? <laughs> Honest to God, in the 80s, I could have been hired as a GM. I just want to pretend I could be one now. In the 80s, I could have gotten the job. Hawk Harrelson was given the keys to the White Sox for one year. You got to be kidding me. You have got to be kidding me. We'll go to the bottom of the ninth. Mackie joins next. People, people, I have an important announcement. Mackie and Judd are back after this brief timeout. On 1500 ESPN.